0: for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 9-8-4. A world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal.
1: A perfect score. 10.0 for dasha Camonese. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. In over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight, and setting a world record: 9.68. The wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another interview episode. Our last interview before the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. That's right, we are days away from the Tokyo Olympics. You're about to hear our in-depth coverage of those games very, very shortly. But before we get there, before we get into Tokyo, let's take a chance to chat to an Olympian who isn't going to Tokyo, but has competed in Olympics before. The London 2012 Olympics, to be precise. And the man's name is Mr. Tristan Thomas, a man who you've technically heard on this show before, back when we did our Brink Vault series. I interviewed him many years ago for another former radio show of mine called The Brink. We played that little chat we had with him, but this is a lot more in-depth, a lot more into his career, the nitty-gritty of how he got into the sport, the unique way he got into hurdling, and sort of the journey that that took him along the way. It's a fascinating journey. For Tristan, that took him to an Olympics, but it has also taken him to world championships, Commonwealth Games, the university games, and uh, the medals and the success that he's had along the way. And uh, a very honest and raw account of an athlete's career and a journey that it takes them on from a very interesting and fascinating story from one of these uh, sliding doors moments, as Tristan puts it in this interview, to how his entire life could have changed simply by laying in bed one morning right through to where he's at today and a bit of a closer look at who we should be keeping an eye on in the athletic scheme of things ahead of the Tokyo Olympic Games. This is a great chat and I know you're definitely going to enjoy it. Here is my chat with Australian Olympic hurdler Tristan Thomas. We are only days away now from the Tokyo Olympics and excited today to bring you what will be our last interview before the Games, uh, last chance to chat to an Olympic athlete to learn about their time at the Olympics as well as their career in general and our guest today is a runner, a 400-metre hurdles specialist who competed at the 2012 <laughs> London Olympics. Outside of that is a bronze medalist at the World Championships, being part of Australia's 4x400-metre four bronze medal-winning team at the Berlin World Championships in 2009. Outside of that, he's a four-time 400-metre hurdles champion in in australia a commonwealth games athlete a university gold medalist winning athlete as well at the Aid back in 2009 and a guy who i've actually had the pleasure of uh doing something like this a couple of times before uh chatting to him and uh exciting to be able to chat to him further today about his esteemed career it's a pleasure to welcome off the podium tristan thomas tristan welcome to the show it's a pleasure to have you today
0: Thank you for having me. Um, it's it's kind of it's been so long. It's nice to hear those uh, accolades streaming off Wikipedia and uh, it's good to hear <laughs> they haven't been replaced by a uh, bad bloke.
1: Yes, yes. I was going to edit them and kind of say like, you know, four time Olympic champion, uh, world record holder, things like that. I thought, yeah. I mean, you know, I can still do it if you want me to. I mean, that's always something you can share just with random people. Hey, check my Wikipedia page out. Look how good I was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say it was five times. Um, oh, trendy. sorry.
1: Jeez. Thank you, Wikipedia. Actually, I, I blame. Um, I don't want you to blame Wikipedia for that. I want you to blame the Examiner. Uh, there was a, the, the article that I was getting that off because I thought, that, no, we won't go Wikipedia for that one. Yeah. Blame the Examiner. That's yeah, all that's I can
0: all right. say. That's, and to be honest, it's it's kind of they're, they're a bit hollow because a few of those races were uh, I didn't win the race, but the people who won the race were from another country. So you kind of, I mean, it's, I'm happy to take whatever I can get, really.
1: So, yeah, good time. Take it. Take it. It's all right, Tristan. It's fine. It's, it's all good. It's I mean, it's obviously been, I guess, a while since you've sort of were, were competing out there. And I know sort of, uh, you know, when you and I are talking to each other about kind of doing this interview, um, it was sort of, you know, I sort of like the way you, you're very humble about kind of your achievements and, and humble about your sort of athletic career. I mean, does it, does it seem like a world away that it has been so long since you've sort of been competing on that stage that it almost does seem like a different life ago?
0: Well I guess it depends on the tone you want to take this interview. Um, (laughs) I think think a lot of athletes probably go through this phase where um, you know I'm still young enough you know I'm a school teacher now and I go into class and and people are always sort of shocked by my age they all think I'm younger Um, but and I still feel like it wasn't so long ago that um, it was a lifetime ago chronologically but I am just I just can't do anything I used to be able to do. And I think that's the saddest thing for me was in the last couple of years where I was considering myself an elite athlete, I just, my whole physio, physiology or biomechanics or, or biochemistry or whatever it was, just changed to the point where I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't do what, what made me special. Um, so I've, I've never been the biggest guy, I've never been the fastest guy, but I was that guy that could maintain top speed for the longer longer period. So I would go out a hundred percent and um, you know, because I was quite efficient, um, I, I was still able to come home and I would run over the top of people in the last fifty meters. And um I think, you know, if you look back to the last couple of years I was running, I just didn't have them anymore. And and I felt like, you know, how a lot of people feel when they're doing sport in that you get to a certain stage and then you realise there's holes in the bucket and, and it all just falls apart and, and you know you just can't finish races. So the last couple of years was so frustrating. And, and so, um, you know, it was, it was a real kind of a soul searching to see what I really was. So when that is your final memory, you know, it, it all declines from there. And, um, at the ripe right old age of 35, I feel like a 90 year old, um, mm-hmm. to the point where now, if, if I go on, um, in a school and I might be there just watching a rugby training or whatever, and, and a kid might ask to race and, I very rarely do it, but if, if ever I do, I I nearly lose to these school kids, and, and you just, it almost feels like a fraud. Um, but at the same time, I've got to keep reminding myself um, that there were some really amazing times, and um, you know, start to look back over these videos. Or um, you know, we we've just moved house, so I had a big big box full of all my old athletic stuff, and. Um, you know, I had some letters from, from senators or from the Head of Athletics Australia from 2009 when, when I was really running well. And uh, some of the messages on the sheets were like, great year, Tristan, um, medal in, in London 2012, question mark. And, you know, at first when I read that, I, I was shattered because, you know, you just want to turn back time and, and go back to those moments where it is all possible. Um, because it really is blessed life and self-esteem is great. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, I, and I had some moments where it was it was a really hard thing to almost be grieving for the loss of what what was. Um, but at the same time, as I said, you do have to take stock and, and realize that you know I was really lucky, and um, and and I did have a, a great talent. And and you know, as you said, reeling off those achievements at the start, you know. So few people can say they've medaled at a world championships or, uh, you know, even World University Games to win that time. Um, you know, a lot of athletes do represent their country and, and you know, some get a lot more accolades in terms of fame and, and, you know, they'll be on the TV and whatnot. But to be able to say you're a medalist to one of these things, I, I actually don't think people in the public realise how hard it is to get that. And it's, it's something that, you know, as a, as a fan of Harry Potter, I always think about what would my <laughs> set of Horcruxes has been. Uh, and, I, and I do have a couple of Horcruxes that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. So, um, yeah, you know, it, there's always highs and lows, but um, whilst it does feel like a life ago, it certainly was a life I'm still fond of um, for, for the good parts rather than that.
1: Any reference you can get to, like, Harry Potter, I appreciate that, Tristan. Good job. Like, it's, it doesn't happen yeah, enough yeah. in the show. So, you know.
0: I actually went and saw a Harry Potter um, two-man show last night.
1: Oh. Um, Potted. Oh, was that um oh was that Potted or something Potted Potted yeah, or something yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. I, I remember having those guys on the show on, on my radio show like years ago. They were fun, yeah. yeah. They
0: are fun. I, I I don't know, I I, I we've just been living in London for the last two years and we um we saw a parody. Uh, it's just such a great place for theatre. We saw a parody of Voldemort's teenage years at Hogwarts <laughs> and it was just it was just hilarious. Um, and I think I'll, I'll always be comparing things to that. So it was good. Um, it, it was good last night. I recommend kids loved it. And they were all sort of all the things I found a bit, um, you know, they dragged on a little bit. The kids were all quoting those exact moments straight after. So, you know, Perfect. it's age appropriate. Um, but, yeah, look, it was, it was good without being the highlight of my life.
1: But anyway. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's often what people say about being on this show too, so I'm sure you'll add that to that that list at the end of it. Your, your, I mean, journey into kind of what led to, you know, world championship, bronze medal, Olympics, everything that I was saying before, you were, I guess, quite late to it. You were sort of, um you know, not pursuing this. This kind of almost just happened your athletics career, didn't it? Uh, you were approached by essentially a coach at a school meet. I mean, t- tell us a little bit about how all that played about. And before that, were you... You know what other sports were you kind of pursuing? Was this sort of like a, you were always wanting to be an athlete, and it was just kind of athletics turned out to be the sport that you fell into?
0: Mm, uh, it's a great question. Um, I, uh, I I certainly didn't grow up running. Um, I as as I showed to you off air, um, I'd moved around a couple of places when I was a kid. Um, lived in Tassie, then went and lived in Ireland for a couple of years, um, and I, I grew up in the neighbourhood that Roy King grew up in. Um, Bit of a dodgy ghetto. I didn't know at the time. But when I tell people from Ireland that I lived in uh, Mayfield, they're like, "Ooh!" And you I was say Roy
1: Keane's from a place, and you know it's going to be tough, right?
0: <laughs> they breed him tough in Mayfield. But anyway, so I, I wanted to play football or soccer for, for Ireland at one point. Um, and I, I just, I, I guess, I never had the exposure to athletics. Um, my family aren't. They're, they're I, I love my family, but they're no buts. Um, however, because it's much better than but. <laughs> um they aren't they aren't the sporty um you know they they oh, actually to be honest my, my dad and, and stepmom and and, uh, and and my sister they're obsessed with afl um which which is my biggest criticism of tasmania i don't mean to criticize tasmania but I, I i dare say there are other sports out there guys and if you give them a go you might even be maybe even happier
1: um, but anyway, so in terms of Get on the Jack Jumpers, everyone—they're about to start in the NBL. Please. Come on, there you go. Basketball's yeah. taking over instead of footy. <laughs> I hope
0: so. I hope so. I, uh, I don't. No, I don't like. I don't hope for any any heels, but um, I don't know. I just. I, it, I guess going back to that world champs comment, it's it's. There are there are some athletes that have done some amazing stuff, and no one even knows who they are because they don't kick a a Sharon around. Um, and football's great, um, but you know. I, I think in some ways, you know, you look at the Essendon drug scandal and, and you just realise sometimes, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a sport is bigger than our own little home game and, and you know, even, and it's, sorry for jumping around a moment, but I'm reading a lot about an American sprinter who you may have seen recently uh, tested positive for marijuana yeah. straight after the um after the 100 meter trials and and you know she's admitted it and she's you know she was going to a hard time her mother has passed and there are so many people coming on um social media saying ah oh, let her run let her run you're racist it's because she's black and it, it's got nothing to do with that it's just at the olympic level you know this is the olympics is is um it's such a beautiful thing to be part of um it's got so much history and it's the best of the whole world and it's 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 really a festival of, of human endeavour. Um, and I, I just think sometimes people in these, you know, America's very into American sports and Australia's very into Australian sports and, um, well, not all of Australia. I just think Tasmanian stops football. And I just think sometimes I, I'd, I'd love it if, if, you know, we'd looked beyond and um, bigger picture stuff. And um, so anyway, getting back to my story, it was a very big aside. It's all right. Uh, with, uh,
1: you're fitting well in this show. That's what we do all the time. Again, we've gone from Harry Potter to kind of regional sporting thing, whilst also talking about your your career. So it's it's very standard on off the ball and,
0: and getting all Tasmanians offside in one go, which is a. That's all right. Both fun.
1: both of us are fine. It's all good. It's it's, it's it happens. I, mean, I guess
0: if they want to come and get me. It's it's hard with the with the border control at the moment. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. So, you're uh, you're in a
1: safe spot right now. You're in a lockdown area, so they can't get to you. You're safe. <laughs>
0: well, it's weird, and again, it's a story of another day. But coming back from London, where. You know, COVID is, is a real thing that, you know, they've got hundreds of thousands of people that have died and you know, it's it's certainly been interesting, yeah. But, yeah, anyway. Canada, Canada,
1: Australia, very similar. I remember that first day out of quarantine where all of a sudden no masks, everyone's surrounding you. It's just complete, you're like, what the hell is going on right now? Why are people next to me? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and look, don't get me wrong, I know people from Melbourne have had, have had a few months and that's always the rebuttal whenever I mention um, my girlfriend's 10 months without work. Um, being furloughed and um, you know basically me teaching online for for eight months of the year last year. But um, yeah, look, I, I know everyone's going through their own stuff. But to go back to story, um, I didn't run as a kid. Uh, I didn't do little. I did little athletics for two weeks. Um, I, I guess I, I I don't know why I just didn't I didn't have that sort of greater goal behind me at the time. Um, and. I remember the time, and we may have discussed this many years ago, but um, I remember my first moment of, of really, you know, being introduced to athletics really was um, going to Year 7. Uh, and, I, and I still was the redhead kid with the really strong Irish accent and um, pasty, freckly skin. Uh, and, and look, I remember being on a, a school bus and sort of being kicked under the seat and being quite frayed and all that kind of stuff. So, look, I, I wasn't a popular character. Um, but, uh, I remember being at my dad's house and, um, thinking I might try out for the four by 100 meter relay team at, at school. Um, now I hadn't at a school carnival. I wasn't even in the first division. I think I was in division three or four because I didn't have the courage to, to say that I should be any higher or, you know, I'll, I'll try to be the quickest for my house. So I was in like, as I said, did three or four, um, and, and with no accolades and no sort of, um, you know, no, no one pushing me really at all. But for whatever reason, I, I, I wanted to do something and I, I, I maybe I, I wanted to be somewhat special in some regard. Um, so I just sort of try out for the four by 100 meter LA team. And, and in my head, and I, I don't, I'd say this with, a, with with no point of a lie. I just wanted to get the fourth fastest member so I could be on that team and be part of it. Um, and I I, I I remember thinking in bed, it was 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30, freezing cold, beautiful Tassie morning, um, and, and actually contemplating not going. I actually remember sitting there going, do I bother? Like, what am I even doing this for? And, um, you know, it, is this really important to me or not? And looking back now, I kind of feel like if I hadn't done that and I hadn't gone, I would never would have been pushed into athletics and I, I never would have done it. Um, and you know, I, I, as I said, self-esteem wasn't very high, and I, I wasn't doing very well at school. It wasn't bad, but I just I didn't have any confidence. So I'm really, you know, we're only here because of that moment. But I did decide to go, and I went to track, and um, and I ended up winning the trial. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's just some virgils. It's just um, you know, a bunch of school kids. It's not like we were in one of the big athletics performances in the world. And it's just it's just the thing. Um, but I remember like the shock that I had because I had no expectations at all. Um and I remember getting on this on the bus to go to school and I, I felt so good about myself. Um and and people started talking at the school and they, they said, Oh, did you did you choose Thomas? Who's that? He won that he's the fastest in the grade. And um it just it was the most unexpected thing that had ever happened and it was yeah it was it was nuts. It was it was a, it was a moody. It was a miracle. Um but I, I, I obviously then made the team. Uh, I was in the team for hundred. I had um, I had PE teachers saying that I'd I'd never be good over any distance more than a hundred meters because my technique was like a praying mantis and I was horrendous. <laughs> um, but but you know it was it was it was going from the guy who was sort of picked on. I I not not like majorly. I had friends and whatnot. But um, going from that to to you know that that time of year, you you were the man. Um, and, and it, it really, it, it changed me. But I went to training, um, obviously the school trainings had three mornings a week. And it, that was the time where, as you said, a coach um, approached me and, and said, would you be interested in doing some real athletics training? Um, and, and again, you know, being quite shy and, and, um, and not massively confident to have someone show that kind of faith and um, interest. It, it meant a lot to me, um, and he his name was Kevin Prendergast. He coached a guy called Simon Hollingsworth to become an Olympian in the 400 meter hurdles, and he had history in, in taking kids from my school because you know this this guy was a school hero um, to the Olympics. So to have the coach that coached him take me on, um, yeah, it, it you know it, it changed my life really. So. It's crazy.
1: Um, it's crazy, Tristan, to think that you can pinpoint everything to one morning, laying in bed, thinking that, do I do this today or not? And just, I mean, we all, I guess, have moments in life where you can almost say, like, well, if I had done this differently, I would have been on a different path. But for, for you to literally be able to say, I was laying in bed one morning thinking, ah, fuck this, I'm not going to do it. Like, how how crazy that yeah. is to be able to pinpoint everything to one moment.
0: It's, it's nuts. Um, and... Um yeah, I mean, if you think of the movie Sliding Doors, uh, great yeah. movie, really. I haven't seen it. Kids of the new generation go out there and get a, <laughs> get a VHS or some crazy <laughs> millennial laser laser technology. <laughs> um, watch Sliding Doors. It's amazing. Um, so, But it really is like that. As I said, I, I, I wasn't very good at school. I, I didn't do very well. But once I started training um, and, uh, and and uh, sort of another really big changing moment was, was at one point I actually asked my coach, do you think I could make the Olympics? And I think I was in year eight at the time, or year seven. Oh, no, year eight or year nine. And, and he's, he just sort of laughed it off and said nothing um, and kept going on with it. And, and I, I was probably a bit sad by that. But he came back to me the next training session a couple of days later and he said, you know what, And I thought a lot about what you said and if you really work for this and you want it enough, I think you could make the Olympics. Um, and and again, like that's that's another moment where that one conversation where he decided to come back and, and say that to me was was enough to turn me into this person who believed and was willing to do whatever it took to get there so um between those two conversations or those two moments I then you know through athletics and and this is one thing i, I always try to tell people sport can actually make you do better academically um because if you truly want to be great in your sport or or in music or any of these endeavors you need to practice what you're not good at, um, and and that really will be the distinction between the people that go all the way and the people who just don't get there. Um, is that you've really got to work through your weaknesses and, and turn them into strengths in order to, to to become great. So I went to school, and a kid who hated science um, started just trying, and and started it, rather than putting this negative um, spin on everything. I just I became. Um, more assertive and and more productive, and and sort of just had a, a mentality of of um, just you just got to try, you just got to work through it, and and nothing is a weakness. Um, it's just a challenge to, to to get where you need to go. So um, to to get back to your point, if I never did athletics or I never did anything like that, I would have been a very mediocre student, um, and uh, I, I probably just would have been a guy who got a normal job and. I was going through a lot of midlife crises a lot earlier, Um, but because of athletics, I got an academic scholarship and went to a nice school and and, and then got a scholarship to come to Canberra and and train the AS. So it's amazing. I've never really had someone talk about it, but that moment really was um, much more than than a decision to go to the track.
1: The one thing I always like to when I'm, I'm talking to athletes from Tasmania and similar age to me, you're a, you're a year older than I am, Tristan, it's kind of to think about these moments where, you know, maybe I could have had a chance to go up against you at some point. But uh, I will say as a Newtown high boy who used to run in about the 10th division of the 100 metres and often come last, I feel I never had that opportunity. So it's all right. You had no threat from me when you started your athletics career that I was going to uh, stand in your way of your Olympic ambitions. You're welcome. I helped you out.
0: Well, to be honest, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe you're only in tenth division because you didn't have the confidence to, to say you should have been in ninth division.
1: True. And, yeah, and it was. It, I held myself back. I knew I was too good for those. Yeah.
0: If you had got out of bed that day, you could have been anything. You could have swapped positions and <laughs> and. Uh, You know, I could be the successful one. Well, I think I bring this up
1: because I like like to credit, um, you know, Eddie Ockenden for doing as well as he has over the years because, you know, as a kind of the chubby goalkeeper, I used to play against him uh, all the time back in the day in uh, his junior hockey careers. I think he used to score about 10 goals against me every single bloody match. I'm like, you're welcome. You got shooting practice as a teenager against, you know, that fat goalie for Prince of Wales. So without me, you wouldn't be, you know, the best hockey player in the world. You're welcome, Eddie.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into it for weight. And, you know, it's it's, uh,
1: it's certainly looking a lot better now. Thank you. Um, Thank you. you.
0: You know, I, I uh, you, said, you said you're on the keto diet. And, and while yes. I, I would maybe argue for one little less meat in it, I, it's obviously working <laughs> for you. So without being negative on yourself, I, I think maybe you did help him. Maybe he had such a small target in which to get around you that, that you yep. know, these things in life, It's it's I just think it's amazing. Um I don't wanna to get too philosophical, but, but there are a lot of things that are placed in front of us to give us opportunities. And you know, if I wanna to go to my idea of religion and whatnot, I, I, I do think we can control our destiny, but I, but I do think we are given gifts and we are given moments and opportunities. And, and, and really like everyone has them. And, and I, 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 I speak to a lot of school kids um, as a teacher and, and my message to all of them is that you are all super talented at something. Um, you are a freak at something. Um, you just need to find what that thing is. I and mean, you just need to take these opportunities when they come. So if they're uh, if they're a tuba player and there's a, and I'll, I'll use your words, a, a, or not your words, but your in- impression is there's a, a larger person with more air to push through that tuba. <laughs> that's got to be the driving thing to get this young tubist, tuba, tubist t- to, uh, t- yeah. to, to you know, push harder and, and, and get better. And, and you know, I, again, one other thing I, I would say is the, and the, to be able to offer something to the younger, younger listeners. It's a big difference between um, someone who is, who is very good and someone who is, who is sort of great and, and, a, and a champion in some ways is, is the ability to deal with these um, setbacks or, or challenges and, and to be able to take in the feedback. Uh, I think more and more people these days, they don't want to hear negative feedback, but there is no greater gift in the world than being told how you can do something better in a constructive way. And, and I think, you know, one thing athletics taught me is, and and it's a message for life. I'm I'm telling people um, close to me all the time about this. It's, it's, you know, just take what people have to say in um, and, you know, and use these opportunities, whether they've gone good or bad, and, and learn from everything and, and allow yourself and, and don't be so sort of arrogant to think that you can't learn from opportunities. And, and you know, it, it can all come. You have the potential to do great things. You, you've just got to be able to use what's been given to you and, and find out what you need to use.
1: I love getting deep in it. Like it, just, it works so well to kind of get all this advice. It, it really it, it helps our listeners kind of learn so much on, on the show, essentially. You, you mentioned, obviously, you, you try out for the four-by-one and that kind of you're told you, you're not really going to be able to do any other distances because of your praying mantis style. At wh- what point was this sort of from the coach that all of a sudden it's like, well, why don't you try sort of going for, for 400? And then how did that then lead to... 400 meters hurdles because as I always like to think when I'm watching hurdle athletes that there has to be some point in your, your career where you go, yeah, I just want to jump over a piece of wood uh, and make it harder for me than rather just running in a simple circle. Because I, I don't know, like is there just something that clicks in the brain that thinks you want to make it harder for yourself? Or do you legitimately like the prospect of falling over a giant thing in the air and tripping over flat in your face? I I, I don't know how it works.
0: Um, again, I, 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 a great question for this, for this line of thought. I, I don't, I don't want to become too um, sort of wanky philosophical. This is how you do it. But your, your question leads into the next point like almost perfectly. So um, I I think I naturally, once I started training, um, obviously the the coach was able to see that there were um, physiological benefits to me running longer um i I think realistically when when you have a pe teacher tell you that you can't do more than 100 meters their their sort of expectation is is no more than a school carnival athlete who's going to take some virgils to winning the cup whereas when you do then get into a a real athletics environment with a coach who's taken some Olympics, they're able to and they need to be able to see these things you know to a much deeper level and it was probably obvious from very early on that i was not actually going to be a hundred meter runner um i i've got long legs i don't have a lot of strength um I'm, if you saw me in the streets uh, on on the one hot day in london in the year not that i'm back there now but you know i don't i've got tiny arms i am not strong um and and biomechanically i'm not a hundred meter runner so it was always going to go down that way being sort of 400 or Potentially the missed opportunity is the 800. Um, but in terms of hurdles, um, it's almost the opposite to what you said. So, you know, you suggested that potentially I, I had done hurdles because I really liked the idea of making it harder for myself. But, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things I say to anyone is, um, is, is you've got to be really aware of what you're made to do. Um, so, you know, I always say to people, everyone wants to be a hundred meter runner. Um, especially in this country where they, they, athletics is so low on people's understanding. Like there are some athletes in this country right now who are seriously amazing people and, and the amazing runners and, and they could medal the Olympics in, in events that are so stacked full of amazing runners from around the world and these people aren't known. No one knows who they are. Um, everyone just wants to see what the 100-metre runners are doing. Whoa, 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 what's your 100-metre time? It's, just, it's, it's so upset. So – Everyone wants to be the 100-meter runner, but there are so few people in the world that are built to run the 100 meters. Or if you're a football player, you know, so few people are built to be the full forward or, or you know, in, in what's it called when you're, when you're a midfielder, one of those midfield yeah. people. Yep. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, you've got to be aware of what you're made to do. So for me, I was, was not going to be a 100 runner. I was going to be someone a bit longer. But having a coach who had coached a 400 a hurdler, um, I actually, I went to nationals as a 15 year old in the 400. And you know, I, by that stage I was running fairly well. I, I, I'd won a lot of these school carnivals. I, I I was in a point where I thought I was decent. Um, and it was after my conversation with the coach and whatnot. And I, I went to nationals and I ran a personal best and I got fifth. I got fifth in the 400 and um, I just, Again, I, I can distinctly remember thinking these guys are too big, and they're too strong, and they're too talented, and maybe I won't make it. And if I want to make it, I, and I want to become an Olympian or, or become someone in this sport, I need to do something that the good people won't do. Um, so it, it wasn't a matter of me going, "Oh, geez, I would love to go on a fall over hurdles." And, and like, it was more that I just went, "The best runners wouldn't do it. Um, the best, the best runners would would just run 400s and." Um, you know, it's. I don't necessarily think that's the case now. That some of the four hurdlers in the world at the moment are, are probably. You know, there's two two people who just broke the world record. The men's and women's world record and the four hurdles just went, um, and and both of those events have got three people um, that are you know in the top five all time fastest. So, so four hurdles is is a very difficult and 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 it's a you know well respected event. But for me at the time, I just went. You know what. I, I just I just need to do something that I that I think gives me a path. Um so I remember my first hurdle session and I said to my coach, Can I try, can I, can I give hurdles a go? Um and I was so bad. I was shocking. I, I was like I smashed into the hurdle. I had no idea about depth. Um I, I was completely uncoordinated. Um but again it, it was a mind frame where I just um I I just stuck at it. And, and luckily for me, and, and again, this is what I'm saying, with the whole idea of the, the spiritual whatever, I just got lucky in that I, my stride was perfect for 400-meter hurdles um, or, or certainly to a, to a point. Um, it kind of broke down, uh, you know, and I can talk about that later. In, in big races, I wanted to do other things that didn't work. But, but as a junior, I just I was a natural four-hurdler once I learned how to do it. Um, and... Uh, and, and very quickly, um, you know, in the space of two years, was, was winning national titles um, as, on a junior level. And, and luckily got found or got spotted by the AIS coach who, again, sliding door moment, um, were, were in this exact point where they were trying to find kids that had raw talent and no idea what they were doing and turn them into Olympians. They actually they had a project going where they, they just wanted to find random kids with no idea. Um, and they haven't done it since and they, I don't think they did it before, but I just was right place, right time. Um, I had a coach at the time, Rita Whitehouse, who was also, you know, a great coach for me and and took me to the level, um, you know, where, where I was honing that craft in four hurdles. And she wasn't arrogant. Um, she wasn't, uh, possessive. And and when, when my coach in the asked to have a chat with me, she was more than happy for that to happen. And. Um, yeah, he sat down and he asked, you know, what do you, what are you, you were running 13 strides per hurdle down the back straight, you know, that's amazing for a kid. Um, what do you think about that? And my answer was, I I didn't even know what that was. Um, I, I was like, so raw. I I just was running and and jumping when, when the hurdles came. Um, so yeah, I got really lucky. He probably liked the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, and yeah, I got a scholarship a couple of years later. So, um, yeah. Small
1: moments, right choices. It's interesting you sort of mentioned about, you know, particularly with athletics, it's sort of the 100 metres that gets all the glory, you know. I mean, obviously, the Blue ribbon event is the 100 metres, both men and women. I mean, days away from Tokyo, what's the one event everyone's going to stop and watch? It's the 100 metres, men's and women's, you know, and ultimately kind of that gets the attention. But it's interesting with Australia's athletics history, you know, obviously more recently, you know, not obviously taking back in the day, you know, Shirley Strickland, Betty Cuthbert, those sort of people, but sort of it's more of those those distances that Australians have had more success. Obviously, Kathy Freeman, you know, you think of Yana Pittman, you know, kind of it's almost that 400 metres, and particularly the hurdles of someone like Yana Pittman. And then you look at uh, Sally McLennan, Sally, you know, uh, Pearson, how basically she took the hurdles to a new level. So it's interesting to think that there's still that kind of notion, particularly in the 100 metres, when Australia hasn't sort of really had an opportunity to win 100 metre medals in the Olympics for, you know, 50, 60 years. So... It's, it must have been a unique sort of moment to kind of you know go to that level and kind of be in that aspect when so many Australians when we get to see athletics be it at a Commonwealth Games and an Olympics and when we pay attention to it we shouldn't be focusing on the short ones we're just focusing on you guys basically.
0: Well, yeah, I made, I've made I have made mistakes and, and you know I remember one of my world champs um, I was young and I was stupid and I, I made the point that four hurdles was the hardest event to do um and and i remember some of the shot putters kind of took the mickey out of me and and had a laugh and probably you know they they thought that was a stupid thing to say which is fair enough so i I have i now have an appreciation for all events and you know anyone who reaches top level in any sport is a a freak and um you know i I don't want to say one event is is better or worse than any other um and, and even in terms of 100 meters you know we've got and we've got two people in the hundred in the Olympics. We've got um, Rowan Browning, who got um,
1: a lot of attention. You know, Rowan, isn't he? Maybe,
0: well, I mean, of course, he's a runner. He, to be fair, he's you know, I don't, I don't think it's realistic for Rowan to, to think he's um, going to break the world record, or or um, you know, I think medaling would be an amazing, amazing achievement if you look at rankings. Um, but he's but he's very good, um, and and in the females we've we've got a, a young lady called Hannah Bassett, um, um, who's on the verge of breaking the Australian record for the hundred. So look, there are they are great runners, um, but a no but. However, however, as 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 you implied, there are there are some athletes in this country who who are some of the best in the world for their event. Um, but but they you know. And the sad thing is, you got like Stewie Stewie McSween, who is a Tasmanian, who's um, just ran another Australian record. He's, he's run like five Australian records in the last five months. Um, he ran 3:29.5 uh, in the Monaco Grand Prix of 1500 um, to get, I think he got, I think he got second, second or third in that race. So he he could really legitimately medal. He, he's an absolute freak. Um, sorry for I was saying Creek. Obviously, I've seen a positive, um, but he just won't get the attention. And, and it's it's like you said, it's 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 hundred meters is the blue ribbon event. Um, but I just don't know why we have this opinion. Um, I, I, the only thing I can say is that everyone, when they're growing up in Australia, every single person runs a hundred meters at school. Um, every single person has a history and has the story to tell about the time they ran the 100 metres, just like you said, in the deep 10 and, yep. and you got last and we did a victory lap and all that kind of stuff. So everyone knows the 100. Um, and I guess in some ways, when when you don't think much about athletics, you, you think of it, it's about being the fastest person. Um, now, I don't want any field event people to, to uh, uh, they will over- honestly and openly say it should be field and track. You want to be the longest jumper. You want to be the, the strongest person who can throw the longest. And... Um, but in terms of running it is who is the fastest person so I, I get I get the emphasis in that regard but as a as a, as an entertainment um, as, a, as a piece of footage and something to um, to captivate an audience the hundred meters is over before you know it mm. um, and, and I'm not gonna just dis- disrespect um, hundred meter runners to say that there's not different phases they they have a really pronounced acceleration phase they have a, a very clear transition from that running into open strides down to the next 60 and then there's a different phase for last sort of 20 meters but we're talking you know 10 11 seconds here and and there really is just get up and run as fast as you can and and the person with the greatest speed I mean, there's not a lot of strategy there's, there's no strategy really it's just um it's just your own ability to put your project or your uh, your steps in place. Um, whereas, you know, something like a, a four hundred um, and and four hurdles, I think, is is one step too far because the audience need to be educated on on that event to understand what's going on. Um, but if but if there was a miracle and they were all forced to, to to learn how it works, it is really fascinating because you've got you've got ten hurdles in a race every single person in that race is running on a different stride pattern. So some people that are a bit shorter will be, maybe they'll be running 14 strides for the first seven hurdles. And then after that, when fatigue comes in and maybe there's a headwind, they they cut down, which means they sort of have shorter strides and they speed them up. And and then they run 15 strides home, which which is obviously then an odd leg. And and you have to, um, you you get to hurdle on each, you know, your preferred leg each one. But you've got all these changes happening. And when you know what's going on, you can actually see the point at which these decisions are being made by these athletes. And um, I alluded to it earlier, for me, I, I made so many mistakes in this process, and I actually was, was pretty poor at my ability to, to put a, a, a proper race together. But, but, as, but, but when you understand um, how it's, how it's, how, what's going on, when you see these amazing athletes, it, they become even more impressive. Um so yeah, look, four by fours I think is a really interesting thing for people to watch. Um 'cause you, you and, and they've just introduced what I believe is potentially the most interesting of all events, which is the uh the four by four hundred, but two male and two female.
1: Ah, mixed relay. Um, so it's yes. now an Olympic
0: event. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Australia didn't make it, which is which is disappointing because we actually have two men in the four hundred and also a female and a four by four female team. So it just it's, it's it's it doesn't make sense, but um, but anyway, so you've got this situation where, um, with with no disrespect to females who I think are amazing and, and um, you know, my girlfriend's a really good feminist and um, I I think feminism's very important. Um, We're all
1: feminists, <laughs> Tristan. We're all feminists.
0: Well, look, you know, they're probably the, the racists who are having a go at those poor guys over in England at the moment. Probably aren't feminists, but but most most good people, um, and and that's obviously a a subjective thing everyone is good and bad in our own way, but um, we all should be feminists and, and you know I, I don't know why any why reason why we should have different rules for, for men and women. Um, but to be statistically minded, um, the, the times that males are running in the 400 um, are, uh, are four or five seconds faster um, than, than what females are running. Um, this point apparently, there's a scientific study that shows that in the next hundred years or 200 years um, evolution will take place in the way that women will actually be faster than men, which is which really we, right? wow yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah i haven't I haven't read it, but I've, I've sort of read the headlines and and know a little bit about it. but anyway, for now there is a difference. so when you get into these races, um, strategy really gets part of it because some some countries will put their two men first and then try to get a big lead and then their women with those with that lead will hold on and um, and then others sort of mix it up. They'll go uh, like lady, then man, then female, men and it just becomes this really. It's almost like a, a, a peloton versus the breakaway in the Tour de France, where it's it's a matter of how do you how do you sort of um, strategically place these cards to to get the better overall performance. So I think that'll be really interesting going forward. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think people should watch that.
1: It's a unique way of looking at it because one thing I love about the Olympics, winter and summer, it is the exposure to so many sports that you're not used to seeing. And kind of going back to your point about, you know, the exposure rates of sports in Australia or any country we're in, let's be honest, if you're living in Ireland, you know, football's front and centre, soccer, you know, when I was in Canada hockey, it's front and centre, you know, you're not seeing certain things you're seeing. It's all very regional based, of course, where you are, but the Olympics exposes us to sports that we're not used to. Once every four years you get to see 400 metre hurdles when you're not used to seeing it. You know, you get to see all these other amazing sports, which it just, it shows you on that level that there's so many things out there and you get to see these amazing athletes who are, who are working so hard in their field. I mean, you're working so hard from that moment. Your coach tells you, yeah, you could probably make the Olympics, that journey you go to, to eventually making London. I mean, it's, it's that exposure level. And, you might not go on to be a household name where you're sort of living off every single cent and, you know, walking down the street, getting autographs and all that sort of stuff. I know it happens to you, Tristan, but I'm just saying in general, it's sort of not there, but it's, it's a beauty of the Olympics. It's kind of, that's what, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's so many things of what I love and I love learning these things about something Whereas. I'm going to watch the hurdles and think it's just a bunch of guys and girls running fast and jumping over a piece of wood, but there's strategy to it. There's technique. There's all these elements to it, which make it much more interesting when you sort of know the finer details of it.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, every, every, every person in track and field certainly goes through this point where, um, and it's sometimes sad when you do see some of the, the football codes and, um, even I used to live uh, with one of the basketballers who's now in the Opals team. And the amount of times those girls would come home just drunk as hell on a on a Sunday morning and um, but it was but it was kind of a team thing. You know, they were they were getting a team bonding and, and they were developing that unit and, and you know that the, the band of sisters and all that kind of stuff. So there was a purpose and but but for me, you know, we we never did that or I certainly never did. Um, I, I, I had the rare knife, but I certainly wasn't doing it regularly. Um, John Stevenson did
1: though. <laughs> Be honest, John Stevenson was out getting there all the time, right? Come on, he's that type. I,
0: don't, I, I think Johnny Stevenson has is is so misunderstood. Um, he, he is like we talk about this bronze medal, and and he's such a massive part into why I get to have that in my house. Like he he brought us all together, and and he really like put that idea and that seed into our head. And you know he was the most positive and um, an amazing teammate to have in that situation. So I, I I don't think he was going. I mean I know he's good friends with Usain Bolt, who who's quite fond of going out in town. Or certainly was. Um, he's now got kids and, and makes it harder. Um, but but anyway, so so I was always struggling with this idea that we were so committed to this idea, this this goal. Um, and in athletics, you, and it's same in swimming, same in cycling, same a lot of sports that are sort of performance. You know, I don't—they're all performance-based, but but very like you're maximizing your physical uh, ability in a in a in a task. Whereas obviously in, in team sports, there's there's the skill element. There's lots of other things that come into play. You can have a broken leg and three goals like Stevie Johnson and be a, a, a grand final hero. Whereas in, in athletics, if you're at ninety-five percent, you're dead um so for me it was always really hard because it just doesn't it doesn't have the exposure at all um you know i, I sometimes um and again i i, I really I, I love my family but even even my own family um have moments where um they can't tell you everything about about what i've done and, and or you no know, they know what i've done but the the sport and that's because that there is no presence of these sports in society and um and I do think it's really sad, um, and and I, I I wonder whether maybe the the governing bodies, Athletics Australia, Swimming Australia, or um, a lot of these, they could be doing a better job to 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 get the exposure out there, or, or or maybe it's as a society we need to we don't need to do anything, but it would be good if we shift away from what we always know. Um, Which is just
1: to chime in there. I mean, it's, it's it's interesting how that's kind of happened over history, isn't it? Because you know. 100 years ago the the olympics was the absolute peak that is the the top of the pile and you know things like sprinting athletics swimming you know that's the peak of human achievement essentially so these athletes back then were the biggest athletes in the world and it's just kind of it's a case of as professionalism has come in television media and kind of exposure to all these other sports it's it's kind of interesting that yeah you've got your insane bolts out there but i mean for the most part i can imagine that whoever wins 100 meters this year Nobody in Australia would be able to tell you their name by Christmas.
0: No, no. I I don't think they'll probably be able to tell you on the day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and Usain was special in that regard. Um, Someone said to me recently that Usain doesn't have a very big personality outside of what he did on the track. And I just – I can't be more in disagreement. I I think he was a very special um, product for the sport, Um, very colourful in terms of, you know, he would always bump the the people – that they were there to hold the baskets for your clothes for a race and, and he was always doing his hair on the camera. And and I think he carried that into interviews and, and into his daily life as well. Um, and and it's very hard to, to manufacture that kind of interest. Um, Sally probably had it. Um, Sally obviously was an amazing athlete. I, I I have so much respect for so many things that Sally has done. Still, one do, of the
1: <laughs> my favourite interviews I've ever seen with any athlete was her winning silver in Beijing, and just that sheer utter shock that she had being interviewed by Channel Seven afterwards. She's like, "I won! I won a medal!" Like, brilliant.
0: <laughs> I, I I feel sorry for Sally because I I, I feel like that has um, I don't want to say tainted her, but people sort of mock that. People think that's um, they laugh at her and they think you know they they. They came. It came across in some ways um, as a simple response, but it is like you said. It is just a massive shock. And and I, I she's such a a, a well developed mental athlete. Like she, some of the things she um, the approach she took and and the way. She um, goes into races and, and thinks about it like that. There, there's there's a reason why Sally Pearson was as good as she was, um, and and her mind frame was 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 so impressive and, and things that I've never even thought about. So um, yeah, she's amazing, um, and that's that for me. That is you know that moment sadly is part of why she she became famous, um, just like Which, Michelle. Yes. Yeah, well,
1: you know, the Michelle Genaki thing's kind of a whole different level, isn't it? It's kind of nobody really sort of appreciates what she's done outside of just the dance she does at the beginning, which is a real shame. But it's it's. I remember sort of the Beijing and the, the interview, and everything. It was like, yeah, I never took it as a kind of like this was a just a bit silly. Just to me, that's that's what I like seeing about an athlete is when you kind of see that realness because like the the thing with media and everything now, like. Athletes are trained. They're given media training. So you kind of just get a very almost robotic nature of it. When you've got someone like that, just absolute shit. I mean, one of my favorite things about the Olympics is when you see somebody celebrating a bronze medal. Or they've gotten fifth. Like, I mean, or they've just finished the race. Like, to me, all jokes aside, if I had have just made an Olympic team and I had have come dead last in the first heat that's enough for me. Cause like I, I'm an Olympian. That's always going to be with me for the rest of my life. So I love seeing these reactions from people when it's, it's legit, it's real. And it, it's not kind of just fake or, and like this isn't me always trying to bag out the Campbell sisters. They're great athletes. And I really do hope they've been very well, but it kind of annoyed a, a lot during Rio when it's sort of like the attention came from the fact that, kate campbell choked and it was sort of like oh you know let's let's woe with me it's like well no you made an olympic final Like, okay, he didn't do your best but you still did very well so it's kind of there's a level there i think where and i don't know if that's a tangent i'm going on here tristan but uh yeah
0: I, I don't want to bite the the hand that feeds me i, I think it's very interesting you've uh in, in in one sentence you've you've commented on how much you love people being real um, but then, with, by the end of the sentence, you're you're having a go at the Campbell sisters. I think that is like, a very
1: valid point, actually. Tristan. In real, um, yes. and I think,
0: and I, I, it's very easy for me to say this because I consider myself to be very real for, for the good and the bad. And um, if you, I don't, I'm not suggesting you do this, but my interview after the semi-final Olympics, I was devastated, and, and I was like, I was in such a bad place um and my interview reflected that i i I suggested that i I was an embarrassment to wear this uniform and um you know i I wanted so much more and 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 i i didn't give the the token um oh yeah i'm really happy to be here and oh yeah it's so great and look it is great and and it is but 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 that that truth and and you know that's why I i was more happy to start that conversation because I think there isn't enough of that. I think it is so watered down and it is so um, generic. And, and I, I think it's really, it's really crap that, that people can't deal with the truth when it's negative. Um, you know, I guess the, the, the major example someone like Nick Kyrgios and, and it's, it's interesting he's now becoming popular for being real. But for many years people just couldn't deal with the fact this guy reacted the way he reacted. Um, and, and his point was just like, man, who are you to say how I should react? Um, and, and I, I think it's really, it's, it's really empowering. Um, and you know, my mum always says, oh, you should have been so negative. She doesn't talk about it now because it's so far in the past, but in that interview or in interviews, um, but in some way, and look, to be honest, maybe it, maybe it's cost opportunities and, and maybe people, people don't like it and they don't want to see that on their TV, but I, I'm always... I'm like you. I, I I love seeing people be honest and being real. And you know, even even as a girl, Katrina Bissett, who's who's broken the Australian record in 800 recently, and um, you know, she she could be a world beater, and she's very very impressive. She's um, but 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 she's really real. She's dealt with mental health issues. She talks about it openly. Um, and and in the interview that I saw just before the Olympics, she she talked openly about the fact that she um, wanted to wanted to win a medal and, and thought she could win a medal and, and and it wasn't just one of these stupid throwaway lines where people just think that's what we mean to say. It was just it was just an honest conversation, and I I, I just don't think there's enough of that. Um, Which, and I think yeah. people are and I, I guess again because it's you only have one moment. I mean, you talked about it yourself the Olympics. It used to be the big be all and end all, but but I still believe I you know would I would I change sports and have done done a football or, or done a you know cricket? I don't think I would. I think I think athletics is such a beautiful sport in the Olympic Games, um, and and that moment is so amazing and it's such such a it's such a gift. But my point is that it is that one moment. And you're not going to be watched for the next four years. No one's going to watch what happens. So you, in some ways, you do have to put out a product that, that, that is on brand or appealing because it's so hard to get anywhere um, as, a, as an entity in this sport. But in the end, I, I just think it's more important to be real. Which um, I and think it's, it's a great
1: humanity. it's a great way you put that. And like and like one thing I, I and this isn't just me trying to suck up to you. Tristan, no no you've, no one's ever put that to me that way about sort of Kate Campbell after that sort of whole Olympic. And that's that's a very valid point. And uh, you know it was sort of we had a bit of fun during the show and kind of all that sort of stuff with her. But like that is a very valid point that she was just being real at the end of the day, whether or not you know you, you take it a certain way. And I mean it reminds me sort of a lot of um, you know Jane Saville famously after Sydney where she famously said, you know, what, what could make this moment better? And she's like, Oh, I'd gun to kill myself. Like, I mean, like, you know, who's saying that like straight on TV. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's, it's very raw. So that, that's a very valid way of, uh, of, of putting that. And best of luck to Kate during the Olympics. I'm sure we'll only make a few jokes about you during, uh, during that. But yeah, yeah. I, mean,
0: not, but, but, yeah I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, um, I'm not going to go there. I'm, I'm I'm big on animal rights at the moment and and I, I think for me it's all about consistency uh, and I, I'm becoming really focused on on humanity's inconsistencies. so I think it's really you know I think it's great that that we do love that moment from Sally because that is pure emotion. Um, but to be consistent, we also have to love the pure emotion in the other way as well.
1: So, True. Which is uh, it's interesting you mentioned Nick Kyrgios because that's a great example because as a Formula One fan, everybody loves Daniel Ricciardo because he's real, because he's bright, he's bubbly, he's, he's happy, he's personable. Whereas kind of, you know, Nick Kurios might not have that same thing but he's, he's doing nothing but being himself. He's being real and everything which is kind of interesting how when somebody's so positive and energetic, we love it, yet when they're a bit negative and they say a few things and they get a bit angry and they smash things. You know, I remember famously, uh, it was 2016 in Monaco when Daniel Ricciardo should have won. He got a bundled pit stop and then he was on the podium and basically like that was the one time you've ever seen Daniel Ricciardo like legitimately upset. Like he's, he's frowning, he's grumpy, basically telling his team just don't fucking talk to me, I'm pissed off at you. And he got criticism. They were like, like well, this isn't Daniel Ricciardo, he's grumpy, but why wouldn't you be grumpy? Like same with you as you're saying that, yeah... As somebody who's not an Olympian and never will be, who knows? I've got time. Uh, you know, I can easily sit here and go, well, you've made an Olympic semi final. That's fantastic. But you're going to an Olympics not just to compete. No matter – if I say I'd I'll, I'll be happy to get last in a heat, that's not true. I'm a competitor. I've made an Olympics. I want to go on and win the gold. So you're competitive animals and you're allowed to be disappointed if at the end of the day you haven't achieved what you set out to. And if you, your achievement wasn't I want to make a semifinals on Olympics, you want to make a final. You want to win a medal. So, of course, you are going to be disappointed.
0: And that, that, that for me was it. Um, I know we're not, not focusing on that moment, but um, – I, I, two days ago, I had a chat with a, a girl who's just made the Olympic team and, and um, really excited for uh, Angelique Blackburn 4x4. Um, and one of the things I was saying to Angie is um, for me, the biggest thing i learned through experience is that was exactly it for me. I wanted to make the final. You know, people dream of making this and people have all their expectations. For me, I just want to be in a final of the major championships so from obviously in the very beginning when I was a kid and we talked about that making Olympics was the thing, but, but I always wanted to be more than that. I, I never just wanted to wear the Jersey and, um, I think I was hardwired in a way that just competing was, was never really, that wouldn't set me apart enough. Um, or that wasn't, I, I didn't ever just want to be there. Um, so I, everything for me was about making that final. Um, and, and therefore, I didn't actually, um, and, and you said at the start of this interview, we're gonna talk about the Olympics. Um, I, didn't, I didn't love my Olympic experience, but I didn't find, my heat went really well. I, I was the fifth fastest out of 55 athletes. Um, I got the heat of death and I got fourth in my heat, but, um, but yeah, I, I ran the fastest time running years and I was really excited. But I woke up the morning at a semi and I hadn't checked who I was racing against because I wanted to sleep. And I just, I, everyone was free. Everyone was like the best. There was 47 runners in every lane and, and it was impossible for me to make final. Um, and in many ways, I, you know, I allowed myself to get caught up in that reality that I wasn't going to make my my dream. Um, and, and you know, I, I ran horribly and, and the interview was horrible and, and I was really sad for a few days and then I got left off the relay team and, and it just, it was it was a, a horrible time in some ways but the one thing i i, I said to angie and it, it's it's one of the and again you're getting all my advice in one interview but hmm. um my one of my best friends at the time a belgian guy he he didn't he didn't have any aspirations to to make the final or, or medal or whatever he just wanted the best to do and my semi-final said was really stacked his semi-final was also quite hard. Like there were two really hard ones, and then one that was was less hard. And and again, it's just luck of the draw. It's it's depending on how people went in their heats and whatnot. Um, but he, I spoke to him after, and he PB'd in the semi-final. He he had his best time ever, and he got seventh or something like that. He didn't he didn't um or six or seven. He he didn't. He was never going to make the the final. But he ran a PB, and he ended up getting eleventh or thirteenth in the world at the Olympic Games, and his. His point to me um, was that he never put that pressure on himself to be in the final. He just saw it as this amazing gift and an amazing opportunity um, to go out there on a beautiful sunny day with 70,000 people in the stands at the Olympic Games who we all dream of racing against the best in the world and, and to take up, take up a lane and see what he could do. And it was just this pure process-driven mentality um, without any of that you know that any of that raw or, or you know different the noise that, that you put on yourself from outside you just wanted to do the best you could and I, I was always sort of sad that I'd, I'd never had an opportunity to to rehab that moment or to have another Olympics because I think if people can channel that where it's it is this pure opportunity to just showcase what you can do and, and not worry about um, you know the the placings and whatnot. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I certainly, um, my 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 Olympic moment then was bad, but, but it, it is a lesson I keep other people and that with, with better approaches, you can do much better
1: things. As time goes by, when you mentioned before about how you, know, you move house, you can reflect on some achievements and letters and things like that. And when you come on a show like this, is it then where a okay, case sometimes it does kind of hit you and go, you know, I'm of that unit. I- I'm an Olympian. That-, that can never get taken away from me. You can reflect back on it now nearly 10 years ago and kind of just realise what an achievement it was just to wear the ground gold at an Olympic Games.
0: Mm. Um, look, it is. It is. Um, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's, it's all relative. Um, and I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am that I, I, I was injury-free and, and got to go to that comp. Um, there were moments in training where training was going so well that, that my coach was ringing up the Australian record holder and telling him the record was about to go, and we were really, truly believing that that I could run a second faster and um, and and be a contender uh, and and you know be top three in the world and, and do amazing things, and that was real. That that's that was an opportunity that at a point in time was a thing and. You know, a week later I, I had a bit of a pain in my Achilles and 18 months later I could run again. Um, so, look, there, there were so many times where I was unable to do it and I um, I, I can't say that I have no regrets because I just there were moments where it could have been anything. Um, but, you know, and this is what I said to, to my friend the other day, it's it's once you're in that Olympics team, they can never take that away, just like you said, and, and it is such an amazing like um, safety net in some ways. So so no matter what happens, to be able to call myself an Olympian has, has been so special for me. And, and um, I still get uh, every every year on Olympic Day, I get a message from the Australian Olympic Council. And right. um, and every couple of weeks, every month, I'll get an email from the AOC talking about initiatives and, and ways you can give back and, and sort of ways to make it feel special. And, you know, a friend, another friend who just made the team, has has rightly said there's just over 4,000 people ever in Australia um, that have made the Olympics, and I'm so so amazingly lucky and 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 again blessed to to be able to to have got it right at the time, because um, I know so many people who are amazing athletes, but more importantly they're amazing people that just they just all the the, the cards in the line, and and you know I had to pull out of two Commonwealth Games because of injury and um, And these people had to pull out the olympics or maybe they were selected last year but because the olympics didn't happen it's another year later and they don't make the team and you know these things can be crippling um because there's such an emphasis on this one meet um but like another person had told my friend it's it doesn't make you better or worse making the olympics doesn't make you a better athlete doesn't make a better person it just means you got lucky to make it at that time um but geez it is a nice thing like Every time I, I go to a new school or um, I can put down on my resume that I made the Olympic Games, and, and it just, it it is such a, you know, it, it is a really amazing thing to be able to say that I've done. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting the way people people take it. To be honest, I'm a bit surprised with, with what it means to people. Um, if, if people find out that I was a runner, I used to do tour days. I used to take kids around the facilities and, and show them whatever. And uh, I can I can tell you the conversation ninety five percent of the time, um, and and very rarely you'll get someone will come up with something different. But this is how it goes. Um, I was an athlete. Oh, cool! Did you make the Olympics? And and that is the question every time. So so it's so nice to answer that. Well, um, it really it really is. And I'll say yes, and then. And every time the, the next question, here, and, and can you, can you guess what it would be?
1: Did you win a medal?
0: Hey, that's it. You, we're playing that game on, on the TV and the, the most common responses. That's it. Did you win a medal? A hundred percent of the time, every time. And I say, no. Uh, and sometimes if I'm in the mood, i say, no, but I've got one for more champs. And there's just, there's radio silence. It's static. Um, and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. Now on 20% of the time, and and so 80% that'll be the end. Um, and I'm there going, man, I could tell you so much about this. And 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 you know, we could be that inspirer that 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 can make you but this they, they don't go further. That's it. But if they do, there's one other question when they know I'm in athletics. And and you might get this. What what do you think the question is, knowing that I'm in athletics, that I might potentially get an ask next.
1: Do you know a sane bolt?
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's it. Sorry, I'm just looking at my Tristan, I'll be honest, I'm looking at my question list here. You just got rid of three of my bloody questions, mate. <laughs> I'm the flash and
0: the other one. I'm <laughs> the the other one. That's it. That's literally and I'm in my head, I'm like, I can I've had massive conversations with Alice and Felix or or people that are just so amazing, but no one cares. They only so I care
1: I <laughs> <laughs>
0: only care about you, Saint Paul, and, and did I win a medal And that's it. And so it's it's a strange, it's a strange reality where you know being Olympian is so cool and it's it does mean so much, but but it's amazing how little it really means to people because because they only want to know these things. They uh, um, and if and if potentially um, um, a miracle happens and they go beyond it, the next question I'd be amazed if you get this, but but again, um, knowing what people know and care about athletics, there's potentially one other question.
1: Gosh, now you're stumped. You've me. already done amazing. This
0: would be this would be like top journalism you get this
1: yeah um no I can't even remotely think of something that possibly would come as a fourth question
0: yeah what is your hundred meter time
1: uh, I was gonna say so I was gonna ask like are you a hundred meter like I was, I was going on the lines of maybe like oh do you, do you run the hundred but the 100 okay right that, that makes yeah. sense and, and again
0: I get it because they, they if if they do get to that point and they only get to that point if they are very interested they're trying to relate it to something they know. So yeah. I, I'm not I'm not I don't you know it's not their fault. It's it's as I said, it's society's created a world where where, you know, there's more lights and colours and fanfare and money into other sports. So I don't mind when that gets asked. because um, it's it's better than just asking Did I meet you same ball? So
1: yeah. <laughs> well, uh, d- did did you, Tristan? Uh... <laughs> I had to. Come on, I've got to do my job. <laughs> I
0: shouldn't I have I I set myself up for it. Um, I hate this because I had so many opportunities to meet him, um, being, being good friends with John and having had him standing two or three metres away. Um, I, I could have just said hello for the sake of this question. If I'd known in hindsight, if I could take myself back to the past, I would just, um, and I almost might do this. I might go onto his social media. He won't respond. And I might just say, as a former athlete, I get asked this all the time. Have I met you? Can you just say hello so I can say Yes because um, I because I was at the stage where I'm just like, I could say hello, I could I could say hi, you saying but I know your PB and I know you're this and blah blah blah. I was there for his world records. I've seen I've seen him um, break two world records in the hundred, I've seen his um, record for the two hundred, I've saw the record for the four by four, four by one, sorry. So I've seen them. But in terms of a conversation, I just didn't have an organic way of conversing with him. I, I, I didn't have anything that wouldn't look like a fanboy. Um, so I guess in the, the the simple answer is no. I haven't met Usain Bolt. Um, I've met, as I said, many other athletes who are who are as good as him in other events, um, but but I never. I, I was a bit shy, actually, to be honest, and I didn't know what I would say, so I didn't.
1: Which, I mean, it's it's always unique, like, sort of one of the random questions we'll sometimes ask is about, you know, the Olympic Village experience, so you sort of bump into one. I know when we spoke to, like, Charlotte Caslick, she was mentioning about how, like, they would be walking around, and there's Rafa Nadal, Nadal, and they're big fans, but they were like, oh, we couldn't go up to him. Like, I'm that type of person, like, I, I just wouldn't give a shit. I was like, fuck's Rafa Nadal, I'm going to get a selfie. Like, I, I, I remember randomly, Grand Prix time, uh, we were staying in an Airbnb in the middle of the city, and my friend messages me, and he's like, hey, like... I've just walked past this cafe and Sebastian Vettel's just having a having a coffee. Like, sweet. So I just got to walk down and introduce us to hello Sebastian, big fan. For fan, could have a picture. Simple. Like, I've got no shame, but I'm just I'm just you know out there trying to hang out with all the celebs, Tristan, to get my street cred up. Let's be honest. That's why I host this show. So I can talk to Olympians and I feel cool about myself because I can't achieve that in real life. So you know. (laughs) As as I said, you
0: reached out. I mean, I I don't know if I'm the most interesting Olympian, and I could maybe try to get you better ones, but um, yeah. Hey, same boat.
1: When you're friends with him, mate, that's what we're using you for. I know, you know, John, and then he knows the same, like it's six, six degrees. I'm just using you, Tristan. I'm going to be honest. Yeah.
0: And I understand that. I, I, like That's human nature. Um, when I creep into his DMs, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. And, uh, <laughs> and we can go from
1: there. With, with, I mean, that journey, I mean, I, I'll, obviously you mentioned you put out a couple of Commonwealth games, obviously Glasgow sort of, uh, you were set and then didn't go. W- was there from that moment on kind of just the desire, like what happened from that point was just injuries were too much I mean was there that desire to push forward towards Rio and was that a possibility had maybe the body held up a little bit more
0: um, definitely I, I, um, I pulled out of Glasgow with the expectation of having a better performance at Rio um, so it wasn't I was injured enough um, I think at that point I had some sciatic nerve problems and but I've seen people run with worse you know I mean I've seen people just limp into these things and, and in hindsight now, like I, I would have loved to have had another experience. Um, you know, that's probably been greedy and selfish. But, but and, and to be honest, my last experience I did have was the Moscow World Champs. And um, I was lucky enough to be the, the fourth leg, the anchor for the 4x4. Four four, and um, had, a, had a special moment where all the cards aligned. And I went from fifth or sixth into second. And we made the final. And, you know, it, so my last team was great. Um, but I was devastated, um, to not make Rio. So I was still in this stage where obviously I've been a few years since I've been, you know, really great. Um, and, uh, I wasn't supported by any institutions. I didn't have any sponsors. I didn't have any, um, you know, any, any outside backing. Obviously I, I I've always had, you know, my, my parents have, have always been um, supportive of me as a person um, and, and I'm lucky in that way. And, you know, I, I, I think I, in many ways, I, I, I do think I, I had a, a, a good system with, with parents and, and family, you know, where it was the right amount of, oh, you know, right-ish amount of influence in, in athletics. But um, in terms of financials, it was certainly not. Um, and But I, I really, really wanted to go to Rio to, to be able to, to have a better Olympics experience. Um, and, and, and that doesn't just mean athletics. It, it, I didn't go to any other sports during London. Um, the only one I did go to was, was BMX, and that was the last day um, because it was after my event. And I was so focused on this point, and, and I didn't even have my family come into the village. And I, I, that is one of my major regrets now, is that I, I, just, I didn't make that kind of stuff happen because I didn't appreciate just how rare those moments are. Um, so Rio for me was this, was this just like, oh, I can do it better and I can have a better experience and I'll, I'll forever have a positive memory of the Olympic experience. And I gave up everything for it. Um, I changed coach, um, and, uh, he, he got a a Welsh athlete, um, who, who had had a couple of tough years and he came out and we trained together and. We were all in, like you know, we had a, a Kiwi guy who just recently missed free um, of Tokyo, and I'm happy for him. He's a good man, um, but we we were just giving it everything, and training was going really well. All the markers were being hit; everything was looking good. But for whatever reason, I just I just couldn't race. Um, I I I would get to the to the eighth hurdle about um, sort of 300 or often even earlier, and I just. As I said, I, I started feeling fatigue in a way that I'd never felt before, um, and it all started to break down, broke apart. Um, I couldn't finish race as well. I wasn't hitting my stride pattern, um, which for me, as, I, as I've said before, it was, a, it was a massive issue for my entire career. We always pushed for the optimum result. We always like went big to try to get a better result uh, instead of being conservative. and. It just didn't work to be honest i i I kept trying to do something that i wasn't able to do and i just wasted so many races on that but 2016 it just it started off so the qualifying time is is was 49 mid or low 49.3 i think 49.3 i started running 50.8 and i lost to a a couple of guys who i I didn't really want to lose to and, and probably didn't have expectations given training how it would go and I don't know. It just got worse from there. That was the best race of the year. Um, and I, um, was getting sixth in a lot of races, seventh running 51, 52 seconds. And every time this happens, you get further and further into tailspin. Um, and I just don't think I was able to get out. So I think physiologically, um, you know, I was, I, as much as training was going well, I think in hindsight, I can look back and say that maybe the training wasn't, um, what I needed at the time. Um, historically, I'd done a lot of 300 or 350 reps flat out um, so that when I came to race, I knew that I had it there. Like I knew that I'd, I'd got all the, the bits in place. Whereas um, my coach for the last couple of years is is from the British system where they, and I, I've learned a lot more about this having lived there now, but they build them tough and they, they go through these really dark winters where the kids are just doing our kids, the athletes are just doing rep after rep after rep of just really grindy, like sturdy stuff, where you just do ten, two hundred. So, so I was getting strong in that regard, but I but I wasn't getting four hundred meter hurdle specific um, ready, and you know I completely bombed out in almost every race. Nationals came, and uh, and I think I got fifth, but but again there was a few internationals, so I ended up getting second. Um, yeah, Australian um, but I was devastated but it just it was equally bad in Europe and I was playing these games where I, I would try to get into all these meets the best meets that you can do without a good time um, this meet in, in Switzerland at which is 999 metres above sea level where the mm. limit is a 1000 metres and people just run these crazy times. but nothing was working you know Geneva where I qualified for the Olympics four years earlier and it was a really special place for me um, that was a bomb they're all bombs and in many ways I just um, that was that was my end uh, it was it was it was really soul destroying um, yeah I, I didn't just miss out I wasn't even in a ballpark so
1: so it wasn't even a case of you could take a bit of time off sort of you know mentally prepare yourself and kind of maybe push towards say, gold coast 2018 or things like that or just the desire just completely left you at that point in oh, cold no, cold i mean cold. the desire never left
0: I, I wanted i still wanted to make gold coast i still um i probably still had ideas that i could turn it around and, and it's one of those things where you become so desperate that you just find something that you can that you can turn to to be the possible reason to, to be able to fix it so like oh maybe if i just tried this or um, you know, as I said, I, I think something biochemically was was happening, and, and I just I wasn't able to do what I used to be able to do. And I would be going to the doctors and and physios and just saying, "Oh, what's what's happened?" Like, and and I, I would get some results back that would say I had some uh, some virus or something that that I, I didn't have ten years earlier. And maybe it was this, and maybe it was that. And uh, you know, for me, the hardest thing is I, I have no idea. I, I don't have any idea why. I just couldn't do it anymore. Um I was not too old. i was I was less than thirty. I wasn't I was sort of at the peak age you meant to be at. Um, but then again, you probably also have a mental thing where having had years of being injured um, and losing enough races where, yeah, and with stride patterns that had screwed up and being pretty miserable, I probably didn't have the same animal desire to get to the top of the mountain because, I I'd already got there before, um, and I, I had a really great girlfriend. My my girlfriend, moments, great girl, loved the bits. Um, and life was kind of good outside of athletics to the point where maybe I just it was just the perfect storm of of
1: shit, really. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't sworn at all. And I, you know, it's all good. It's, it's an hour as so <laughs> win. It usually gets. Ah, yeah, No you one's want listening now anyway. they will all off. Yeah. But anyway. Um,
0: yeah, just it all went bad, um, and and as I said, I I, I still try to train, and, and I started training with an eight hundred meter coach because that is that is another thing that you know I talk about moments and sliding door moments, and a few years earlier, my coach had said, I think you're done with four hurdles. I think I think you can't go any further, and um, there'd always been coaches that said that I was in the wrong event and I should have done eight hundreds, um, and it becomes this really hard decision where. You know, do you do you go with what you know where you've already been successful to a point or um, or do you take the plunge and risk at all? And I sadly I just didn't take that risk. I didn't I I still believed that I had things to fix in the four hurdles and I saw it as more like I was too proud to admit that um, that I'd failed. Um and, and I never did the eight hundreds. But yeah, so I, I sort of tampered like didn't I I sort of what's the word? Um, I well I just gave it a little bit of a go at the 800s and I'd, I'd got myself to be a decent fitness and as I said I, I have lived in London since 2008 19 until recently back in canberra and I joined an 800 group over there and there were some moments where things were going well and I was just I was I wasn't there for athletics but there were some moments where the coach was saying you'll make Tokyo and I didn't really believe it but but you know there was there were enough signs to show and obviously he had my stats there to see what I used to be able to do and there was a belief at some point that that could happen and um but realistically I think on all levels I, I'm just deteriorating um I, I go out to training now and I, I, obviously the lockdown in London was so bad that I was barely training for eight months um and I'm just at the point now I just go it's almost bad for the soul well, it's too funny because too- it's nowhere near what you what it used to be. So.
1: I don't, I don't, I don't want you to give up because I had an idea for you, I and mean, maybe this is one that you've already kind of had. I, I mentioned Yana Pittman before, of course, and she made the transition into a little sport called bobsled and went to Sochi in 2014. So, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a thought process, you know, if if you can't sort of uh, do that anymore, like Milana Cortina 2026, i probably a little bit too late for Beijing, but you never know. Switch to bobsled; they could need a sprinter. They need some sort of runner.
0: You are uh, you, you, you comment on things that I, I've certainly thought about. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I just want to feel special again. So I I sort of searched through anything that I could do in that regard. Don't get me wrong, I, I think I'm a good teacher and I create things in maths classes where I think they're, they're pretty special, but um, but in terms of sport I, I I'm so far removed from that. So I have considered and, and it's not Bob's so I couldn't do Bob because if you look at the bobsled build, they're 110 kilos of brawn um, who are able to power clean 120 kilos and um, strong as oxens and 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 fast and all the things I'm not anymore. But um, but I would love to do skeleton. So ah. I've actually I've had numerous conversations, and not in the last year or two. Realistically, this was this is sort of um, just after um, after 2016 there's a, a, an IAS program for the skeleton. I was contemplating and having these discussions about whether it'd be possible. But, but realistically, to, to make any of these events, that I, I know there's a guy, even O'Hanlon, handling a paralytic hundred metre runner who's trying to make the bobsled in the in eight the bodies the the biggest achievement in making the bobsled is not being a good bobsled athlete it's it's being able to survive financially for two years yeah, um, exactly. having to seeds because we just it's it's so much money to maintain that living um, with getting your bobs and um, and, and equipment over and, and they're constantly begging people for, for sponsorship um, and and really it's 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 just a, a personal endeavor in the end I don't think there's yeah I, I, but but would I would I try skeleton tomorrow? If, if I was in a country where there was a skeleton facility, um, I I would, would would not hesitate to to, to have a go. Um, but but realistically, like I couldn't do it from Australia. Um, there are no slopes uh, or or what do they call them?
1: There are no um the the, the sliding tracks essentially. The the, the yeah. Which I was going to say, which it would, it, the thing that I think would be unique, just, just to kind of maybe entice it, because I know it's, it's a tricky path, but I don't think Tasmania has ever had a winter Olympian. So you could therefore create history, Tristan, as, I mean, we, we claim you as a Tasmanian. Uh, so you know. um, I wish, yeah.
0: I, mean, I, I appreciate that. I, I, As I said, I still feel Tasmanian, but I, I, um, I don't know. I don't, I Your don't dad know. was
1: mayor of Hobart. You're Tas- more Tasmanian than I am, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 sorry Tasmanian, but I just I never get asked to do anything with Tasmanian athletics. They don't they don't they don't want me. So I come in the, as I said to you at the start, I'm in that point, oh it's fine, I get it. But I'm in that point where I'm a Canberra guy who's been living I was born in Brisbane, I, I've lived in Ireland, I, you know, there was one point when it was all going bad before Rio where I, I even was, was considering trying to make the Irish four x four team. I, I was trying anything, so but but what I what I am, I guess, is is but I don't have one identity and, and therefore I think, you know, a lot of for instance I'm the Tasmanian record holder in the in the four hundred and four hurdles and I Tasmanian, hundred percent there. There you go. Some people wouldn't be happy about that. Some people are like, oh, it's that guy that went to the AAS and never came back. And um Yeah, I, I yeah. we a is weird a bit of a...
1: we're a weird state that does that, aren't we? In a way. Because like well, this is a tangent, but it makes sense in a way. As a Survivor fan, I, I'm adamant in saying that there's never been a Tasmanian on Australian Survivor. People disagree with me because they turn around and say, well, Shane Gould lives in Tasmania, so therefore she's a Tasmanian. I'm like, well, okay, yes, technically, but when Shane Gould won all those gold medals, she wasn't representing Tasmania. For the most part, she's represented. And I'm like, I'm I'm staunch. I love that Shane lives here, but she's not a Tasmanian. We're a proud state. We know who our Tasmanians are.
0: But if she's not and she lives there... I wasn't born there I just went to school there so I'm I'm as I'm as Tasmanian as Matisse Thybul who is an American representing Australia the Olympics in basketball is Australian um, and I still consider myself Tasmanian I still love the state and as you said, I've got connections there with Dad and 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 Liz and, and uh, my sister.
1: Well, that's my argument on that is that Shane Gould's dad wasn't mayor of Hobart. So, well, I mean,
0: that's <laughs> basically by the very nature of that, then my
1: generation <laughs> and future will always
0: be Tasmania. Exactly, hundred um, percent.
1: So if your dad <laughs> was mayor dad of any dad place dad in Tasmania, that's, um, that's my yeah, brother's Tasmania.
0: Um, but yeah, look, I, I I would love to at least try a skeleton. So, for anyone who doesn't know, it's it's the face first. Basically, you're just going down on a toboggan face-first down these bobsled slopes, um, and it looks really dangerous, but it's actually less dangerous than all the other ones because there's no steering. You just do it by weight. So you could put a sack of potatoes on a, on a skeleton slate <laughs> and it would make the bottom, um, whereas in the luge, which is the feet-first one, you're steering with your feet and a lot of people go to the side and have bad moments. But anyway, so um, I I would love to do it, um, but I don't know that there's an opportunity um which is really sad. I probably thought they may have been in in, um, in London. Um, and I always spoke to my girlfriend about going over to San Moritz or somewhere and doing a skeleton camp. Um, but well, obviously with lockdown and, and corona, it, COVID, it just didn't, it, yeah, it just didn't eventually. So we will see. But as for Survivor, I've also applied for Survivor in the past. Oh, uh, yes. Um, I'm also a massive Survivor fan. Um,
1: See, it's uh, interesting because there's only we've only, well, I mean, Shane Gould and obviously uh, Ziggy are, are our only two. Olympians. Although I think Baden-Cook's about to be on this new season, so we're going to have another Olympian kind oh, there of going you out.
0: There. I mean, that's, how many more do you want? You can't really yeah. use the Tasmania angle when there's, it's full of Tasmanians now,
1: so. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's, that's that's a valid point. You're schooling me here today, Tristan, I appreciate that.
0: I'm the mean, user, uh, I don't you know. I, as I said, most people are turned off because of the, the no. droning rubbish I'm saying. But
1: I'm doing my best. don't worry, if that was the case, they wouldn't listen in general. As soon as they hear my voice, they're out. Um, I want to ask before I let you go. Um, given that Tokyo is, is days away, you mentioned a few people. Uh, I mean. Is there anyone, do we, do we have a 400-meter hurdler this time around? If so, who is? To tell us a bit about them. Otherwise, if not, uh, give some names of some athletes we should be looking at. Not necessarily because they're possibly a medal chance, but just interesting athletes that, as Australians, we should be paying attention to during Tokyo.
0: Um, so to answer the question in in order of questions you said, there is a four-hurdler, not a male. Um, there's a girl called Sarah, Sarah Carley. Um, so Lauren Bowden or Lauren Wells has been a mainstay in the Australian teams for years. Um again she's one of those athletes that had made it last year, but because they'd postponed it, other people came through and ran faster and, and blah blah blah. So sadly for Lauren, she's on the team. Um it is that she you know she probably deserved it, but she thought. But Sarah had a qualification from a couple years earlier, so she will be there. Um, she's had some injuries, but she's a really lovely girl. Um she's quite short, so if, if you want something interesting, she's she's a girl who you wouldn't see her in the street and go, that's a hurdler. Um, but she's pretty gutsy. She she has a good go, um, and and she did really well at the world champs in her first major competition last time. So she could pull something out. Um, but I think a really strong performance in the semi final would be would be a great result for Sarah. Um, in terms of Australian athletes, uh, as I said, Katrina Bissett, eight hundred meter girl, is, is amazing. Um, if you want a story, there's a guy called Jeff Risley who's the male eight hundred, um, or one of three. Um, he. He's my age. He had a massive Achilles operation two years ago. He was completely out of the sport. He must have had so many mental demons because he just he was running rubbish all Australian year. He was, he was getting smashed. Um, and he does said say he's, he's old relative, you know, like I am. And he must have had so many thoughts of, and moments where in despair he would have thought it's over. But he just kept churning away and, and, and went over to Europe and qualified in like the last couple of weeks. Um, and he's on his fourth Olympic team, um, and you know I'm really happy for him. So I, I, you know, and there's others in the 800 as well. Morgan um, Mitchell, uh, like Katrina, also plan based. She's uh, she's running 800 as well. She's always interesting. Um, in terms of great chances to medal, our high jump girls are awesome. Um, I don't know how the coverage will be. Field events don't get what they deserve, but. Um, there's two girls that are the, the, um, they're either one and, yeah, they are. They're one and two all time Australian athletes for high jump. Um, Nicola McDermott and Eleanor Patterson. And, and again, everyone's got a story, but their stories are really interesting. Um, Eleanor was injured for a long time, left the sport, kind of really like, as most of us go through a period where there's no support and, um, and there's sort of dark days, but she's come back and she's jumping amazing. And Nicola McDermott, um, is over in in diamond leagues in Europe, getting firsts or seconds. She's jumped two hundred one, um, and she's just got the most amazing, infectious attitude in terms of high jump. So um, she is religious. She's got quite a, a strong connection to God and whatever. Um, but you know, she'll at the start of the runway, she she looks up and she has her hands in the air and and she just smiling her head off, nice. and it's just like this overwhelming joy. And I've seen an interview where she said that, you know, she she feels whenever she high jumps, just like she did when she was a kid. And it's that freedom and that moment of just like, love of what you're doing. And, and she doesn't yeah. think she should do as well as what she's doing without that. And I just, if you could just bottle that up, um, so I could watch her all day. Um, as I said, Stewie McSween, or Swain is, is a, a Tasmanian who's the most underrated person in the world. He's an absolute machine. He could he could medal, um, and he, he very much very much could medal in the fifteen hundred, or I think he's also in the five k in, in the Olympics. Um, and then, sort of our Smokies would be um, a high a pole vault girl is uh, Nina Kennedy is quite strong, um, and obviously Kelsey Lee Roberts, a javelin thrower, won the world champs a couple of years ago. She's she's back out there along with. Another person in the same um, sort of point as as Jeff Risley, a lady called Catherine Mitchell, who was once very good, medalist of all champs, sort of had some really tough years, and now she's becoming good again. Um, And I feel like I'm missing people, but I would say. How's
1: how's Danny looking ahead of the. uh... Well, Danny's amazing. Danny is what she's done. she She
0: is seriously elite. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 she's obviously got back to some quality throws domestically, and I'd, I'd never say Danny couldn't medal. I think she's certainly talented enough to do it. I think the female discus at the moment is pretty strong. I think it's, um, I, I think it's a hard one to to make that breakthrough in. But she's certainly. I would never. She's a she's an athlete like Sally. She, her mental um, capacity to pull these things off is 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 very impressive. So she's she's a chance. Um, I I should talk about my own training group. So at the moment, I'm still doing just a a little bit of running, um, basically just to to feel part of it and and to give something back. Um, And I'm with a group uh, with with a coach, Philo Saunders, um, who's who's just a legend. He's he's 40-something going on 19. Uh, He still trains as hard as anyone else, putting out PB sessions every session. Um, And he actually has a lot of Paralympians running. Um, one of which you know and, and this is amazing for a Paralympian to to be well known enough to break through and actually get on the news is is epic um, but he's got a guy called Jared Clifford so he's got he's got three Paralympians in the Paralympics so he's got a guy called Michael Roger who um, is a is a one arm um, I, I, I should know the classes I should know the names but I don't um, but basically he's he's got um, he's he, I think he's born without an arm um, up to the elbow and he's running in the marathon and he's already the world record holder. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, he could, he could if he keeps progressing the way he's going, he could get down and actually make the, uh, the able body team. Um, but the other one is, is, is Jared Clifford and, and he's, he's a, I, I don't know, talk about the third in a second, but Jared is, is always writing. He's, he's quite intellectual and he's, he's, you know, quite well known around the for this community. For his writing and his uh, basically, you know, not not a podcast, but writing about people and, and having some good views, he's a, an amazing athlete. Uh, he's he's in the uh, one of the categories for blind athletes, um, and and you know, he's when he texts, his messages on his phone. He he looks from about half a centimetre away, and you know, there must be some real struggles. But but in terms of running, he's a class act. He went to the World Juniors as a as an able bodied athlete. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, which was, which was amazing for a para guide. Um, and he's the world record holder in, in multiple events. Um, so I, I could talk about him. He's in the 15, I think he's in the, in the five or 10 K and he's, and the, the most exciting one, probably again, is the marathon. Um, so he, and again, sorry I had this probably of information, but he, he recently broke the marathon world record for his class. Um, and, the, which is which is interesting in itself, but but not the most interesting thing. The interesting point was that he hadn't prepared for it. He was doing track training all year, didn't do anything that was marathon related. Um, he, I think, I heard the story from one of the other guys, he like had five hours on a train before that. He, I think he'd got a, had a couple of drinks the night before. Um, horrid prep, he was almost not going to do it. Um, and he just wanted to pace uh, Michael, who's this other guy I talked about. Um, through say the first 30 kilometers of the marathon and he ran um, he was right next to Michael uh, at the 30k mark um, and and he just kept going and he said to himself I'll do one more lap and and he got to that point and he got to about 37 k's and then he just stopped and he had 30 or 40 seconds where he just goes ah I'm done I've had enough but then Philo my coach got onto him and he said mate you're gonna break the world record. You just got to jog home. Just finish the last five k and and just just get to the end, and you'll break the world record. Just and and he was like, "Should I really do it?" And it was a crazy conversation. But but he did. Um, um, and he his last five k was practically I think it was his fastest five k. Um, and he ended up getting within fifteen seconds or twenty seconds of Michael, um, and smashing the world record, um, which is just it's so exciting to see. Because the who knows what the uh, the ceiling is? These guys can do anything. So he's really exciting. And then the last one, which, and I apologise, but I have to have to rep my crew, um, is a guy called Sammy Harding, who's, who's another guy who's visually impaired. Um, and Sammy's just had such a hard road to get back to where he is now. Uh, he, went, he was in the London Olympics, and I'm pretty sure he got sick or he got injured and couldn't really run. He missed Rio because he was injured. He's so often injured, and he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. Um, his, his vision is deteriorating and, and you know a lot of people in this situation might be just going off and partying and, but he's so dedicated and he's such a good man and and he recently a couple of days ago got a, a, got a spot as well on the Olympic, Paralympic team so he'll be running the 1500 and I'm just I'm really happy to Sammy but um, so there there's three guys uh, that, that you know I think it's not Olympics you want Olympics this Paralympics but um, I think that's also really important, and, and I'm, I'm just really lucky to be to be involved and to be able to shout out to those three legends in the uh, in the game. So, um, and I just don't want to I don't want to forget anyone. If there's if there's other people that are significant, um, I, I'm it's okay. We can
1: edit it <laughs> in later. We'll just I'll just double it over and be like, yeah, just this is significant. <laughs> because
0: Dane Birdsmith, really championed oh. by his medal before as well um he's he's awesome if you haven't told him you can he's great
1: um, he's, he's uh he's one of those ones again with like the, the the interviews and everything i mean his dad what got arrested didn't he because he was trying to hug him after rio and basically didn't have the accreditation or something like yeah, that yeah. we remember talking a lot about him during rio that was yeah he was great
0: he's great he's great i, I have a lot of time for jake um but in terms of in terms again if i can quickly just mention i i think there's they're not australians but i i please watch the 400 metre hurdles the Olympics. I just think, and I'm biased, but this is gonna be an absolute firecracker event. Um, The world record for the men's and women's has been broken the last three weeks. Um, In both events, the number two all time is also running and running well. Um, So the men's four hurdles, there's a a Norwegian guy called Karsten Warholm, who broke the world record. There's an American young guy called um, Bry Benjamin who just ran the second fastest time and, and looked like he was going to break the world record three days earlier, um, who in many ways looks more talented. Um, so they'll, they'll fire. And then in the women's, you've got a, a lady called Delilah Mohammed, who is, um, or Delilah, sorry, um, who's just a beautiful soul. She, she was the world record holder until a few weeks ago and there's a young girl called Sydney McLaughlin who is just magical. Um, she is just, if you want to watch a beautiful runner uh, and she look, she's an attractive girl as well, but she just, the way she moves, um, Sydney McLaughlin named after the, after the country or the city. Um, she's just, her, her mechanics are just, if anyone's ever watched Alison Felix and just gone, that is poetry in motion. Sydney McLaughlin is a very similar story. So she just right. broke the record. But at the same time, there's a, um, there's a Dutch girl called Femke Bol, um, who's a 21-year-old, um, who is now the third or fourth, I think she's the 4th fastest time all time. So in, in, um, in Stockholm, two weeks after the world record was broken, she ran a one-second PB. She's been undefeated for two or three years now. Um, and she could do anything. She's only sort of a couple of tenths behind what these two girls are running. So you've got three of the most talented people ever, who are going to be running the Olympics in form, in shape, ready to go. Um, wow. And the men's you've you've got a very similar story. So I I can't I just I watch can't. the
1: hurdles. You're basically saying Tristan, watch the bloody hurdles.
0: <laughs> but you should you should all be and and look I, I think. I think it'll get coverage. I think it's 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 an, a fascinating moment. Some interesting characters. And, While
1: uh, Bruce is still around, I think it's what is going to be his last Olympic. But Bruce does his homework, so Bruce is going to educate us for these. So yeah. I'm expecting yeah. Bruce to kind of be saying all the things and more what you're saying right now. And he's
0: got tans in there, and, and uh, I think I don't know if Steve Hawk is still doing it, but look, to be honest, I just want everyone to watch every sport. Um, I um, I remember having missed out on Rio being so disillusioned and so unhappy and and i, I was telling people i'm not going to watch the olympics um and if, if you listen to the the noise about the 100 meter runner to, to again go back to an earlier point a lot of people on social media saying i'm not going to watch the olympics and 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 it's because of this and I, I i refuse to watch and i was obviously not at a protest but i was not going to watch rio but i just i was addicted and mm. and I, I think you're the same kind of character, and I just a bit. A lot of people are. As soon as it started, and I and I could watch Australians against the best in in what I truly believe is the greatest moment for humanity. Um, and look, I, I'm not saying we're surgeons. I'm not saying we're um, conquering the world. And, and to be honest, humanity is. You know, you just have to read any of the ten thousand articles about the damage we're doing. So, um, just have <laughs> to chuck that in. But but for these moments, like. We're not talking about the wars that are going on. Um, we're not talking about the horrible atrocities for two weeks. The whole human race just comes together and, and it's a festival of, of, of just our own countries and our ability to, to give our best. And I just, I'm so intoxicated by the positivity of the Olympic movement. Um, and, and I just know that I'll be watching. I, I might even have it on during class. I was like, going to say, uh, like, starting... you know, are
1: you back to work? Like, can you just sneakily put? Because no, obviously, in starting... Australia, where it's kind of the same time zone, it so is. I think we're only an hour yeah, ahead.
0: I'm starting uh, at a new school. Um, there's a school in Canberra called Radford College, which is which well, one of the best schools in the city. Um, and I've just got a maths job teaching there, so um, I, I'm very looking forward to starts next week. Um, but yeah, I I I, I think. But it'd be very hard for me as a very new teacher to the school to weasel my way into allowing Olympics. the Olympics on in the background right but, but
1: you're an Olympian, Tristan. You've got an excuse. You can be like, hey, as an Olympian, I have to watch this.
0: I mean, it, it could be true. It could be true. And and also, um, I don't know whether this will come to fruition, but uh, the AOC recently asked for um, contributions from ex-Olympians to give um, uh, an hour or a 45-minute sort of presentation to the to the – returning Australians in lockdown um so it could be an entertainment thing could be a, a learning thing but as I said to you before like a lot of the stuff I do in school is creating murder mysteries or um creating sort of escape rooms or um you know mathifying board games <laughs> like battleships with with expanding brackets and and all this kind of stuff and and I I gave the um I offered my services in, in, in terms of being able to do these sort of, uh, then they wouldn't be on maths, they'd be on, you know, random quizzes or you might have a, a part of a cartoon character and you got to name the first letter of the first name and that'll all spell out or something. And each day the the athletes on quarantine will be, if if this works and if, if they want to use it, each day they will get one of these, um, these, uh, you know, tasks to keep them from being bored. Um so so you know, if I'm doing that, I have to know what I'm reporting on and uh, exactly. you know, it's uh, its homework. you location. have to do it. And look, it's it's like the people would say if you got a tattoo and, and I don't, but but whenever um if I did have one, anyone who hates tattoos um would just say, Oh, it's but it's the Olympic rings and therefore it's okay. So I just have to use that mentality at school. So, you know, exactly. obviously they're here paying good money to learn mathematics, but it's the Olympics, so basically it works uh, you can use you know, it that,
1: yeah nice. and I'll, i will say yeah. if the, if if the to... AOC need any more entertainment you can always give them this show so um just in case anything of of uh, yeah of i would um, expect nothing less tristan i'll say it's been an absolute pleasure to kind of go into detail about uh, everything that you've achieved in your career. And it's obviously a fantastic opportunity to to learn about more of this and very motivational too. I liked it from Harry Potter to motivational. It's great. One thing I want to say before I close this off, and this is not good for our listeners because I obviously can't see what I'm about to do, but you may not have uh, come home from London with a medal, but I, I, I just want to hold this up. I can hook you up if you need one, just to show off to pretend you've got one. So um, he's a London gold. If, if you need something, I can, I can get you one. And then that way these talks, you, when people do ask you the point, pointless question of, did you win a medal? Pull this out. It works.
0: What is that? How
1: did it you is, get that? I, I have, well, as it, uh, you didn't see me win gold in, in London? I'm just, Oh, you didn't see any other events, clearly, so that's why. I've, I've recently discovered the joys that Olympic replica medals are a thing you can buy. Uh, so, therefore, I may have been that geek in the lead-up to the uh, Tokyo Olympics, and I, I, I legitimately have a Tokyo gold medal too, so I can say I've got one before half these athletes. So, yeah, I'm that guy, Tristan. I'm that guy. No, I,
0: I, and the thing is, I uh, again, you wanted to close this up, um i've got boxes full of hideous green and gold stuff <laughs> and um you know even today um emily my my girlfriend's like tristan you're on school holidays can you please clear out that old junk and and get rid of some of the stuff and you can't you can't throw it away i and i, and I don't want to give the salvo because you can't just you know you can't buy you shouldn't be able to buy Olympic like gear
1: yeah.
0: um it should be something that's you know that's earned um and, and i feel strongly about that um but, you know, more and more today, you, know, these, you can buy Olympic volleys. You can right now go and buy, and you can probably buy the entire Olympic kit. You could, you could right now buy the, the shoes that they'll wear at the opening ceremony. You can the buy the, the jacket. Yep. And, and even today I got an email from the AOC saying, um, uh, put in your name for, um, to be, to, uh, and five people, five lucky people will, will get the entire Australian kit. So it's a $1,900 worth. It comes with a suitcase and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in many ways, I, I would love that. But having done it legitimately, I don't know that I would want to have a replica medal um, because, because I put so much value on the real thing. Um, I but don't get me wrong. I, I think everyone should have an Olympic silver medal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, a... just
1: I'll just quickly count. According to myself, I'm a what a six-time Olympic gold medalist. One, two, three, four, five, yes, yeah, seven, seven. I'm I'm that good. I'm 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 same bolt territory here. So you do you've met the same bolt. Yeah, multiple Olympics.
0: yeah, yeah since Atlanta, I've
1: been very longevity. I was nine in Atlanta, so I started young uh and yep. i've worked my way up to tokyo i've, I've got the, i'm so good they've given me the gold before i've even competed so you've you've got one
0: How, so you've got atlanta have you got sydney have you got i do sydney? so I've,
1: uh, every gold from atlanta through to tokyo i have a summer I, i've got to work on the winter yet but uh, yeah no i've um basically started atlanta sydney uh athens beijing uh, london rio and now tokyo so that in all seriousness they're actually kind of cool because it's sort of they, they are very well put together like I, they look as close very close. I mean I'm guessing it's not real gold, but you know even sort of the fact that it's like you know sort of embossed like with the, the the logo and kind of just the the motifs and everything the ribbons as well look very similar. So yeah it's kind of it's whoever makes these I don't know. I didn't realize this was a thing. they they do quite a decent job. So good good ever whoever makes replica Olympic medals you, you, you found at least one customer
0: someone out there in nigeria doing well
1: exactly yeah so uh they're gonna make money somehow so i'm happy to support them tristan mate absolute pleasure having you off the podium today thank you so much and uh we definitely appreciate your time
0: i i I hope i said the right thing um it's a a pleasure having a voice which which i guess i don't have as much anymore so thank you from (laughs) everyone
1: And a massive, massive thanks there to Tristan, a fantastic chat, and I always like being schooled, I always like being uh, kind of uh, brought up on my own opinions and shut down, so uh, in all seriousness, actually it was a very unique way of uh, putting me in my place about the Campbell sisters, so uh, a great way of looking at it, Uh, thank you for that Tristan, and perhaps maybe over the coming weeks we'll have to uh, rethink our assessment of the Campbell sisters, potentially we like to have fun with that so uh, we'll see how we go with that but in all seriousness Tristan thank you very much for your time it was a pleasure to be able to chat and make you the last interview ahead of the Tokyo Olympics that's right we are switching focus right now to our coverage of the games daily episodes we will have throughout every single day of the Tokyo Olympics we're going to bring you recaps of the events every single day the medal winners the successes the failures the fun bits the bad bits everything else in between lots of Channel 7 bashing CBC bashing it's always going to be fun you're going to love it so uh, make sure you stay tuned to that every single day and before that we've got two more episodes coming your way hopefully two uh, one that I definitely can guarantee we will have is a full Tokyo preview where myself, Jared, and Colin will all come together to go over everything that you need to know ahead of the Olympics. We'll look at medal prospects, things that are interesting that we want to point out, both from a Canadian and an Australian perspective, so uh, stay tuned for that. And the other episode, of course, is uh, an episode which we're not guaranteed to have. There could be something that goes uh, skew if about it, who knows, but uh, all but guaranteed is uh, what I'm calling an emergency episode on the Brisbane 2032 Olympic Games. That is right, this Thursday night, the eve of the Tokyo Olympics, if all goes to plan, Brisbane will officially be granted the hosting rights for the 2032 Olympics, which is very, very exciting. Australia's third city to host the Olympic Games. So if that happens, when it happens, Jared and myself will come online and chat about what that does mean for Australia, for the city of Brisbane and everything else in between. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Exciting times to be an Australian Olympic fan. Once again, thanks to Tristan. And to everybody listening, remember to subscribe and all the relevant channels, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, we're there. Find us, subscribe, smash the like button on our social media pages while you're there as well. And feel free to leave us feedback, of course, on any of our platforms. We'd love to hear from you. And if you are on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and you're following us on those devices, hashtag OTP is how you can communicate with us across the way. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you throughout the uh, coming weeks. It's about to get busy, folks, but that's how we like it. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium. We'll speak to you next time. Good night.